Let's pray. Our most gracious God and Heavenly Father, we come to you with hearts full of thankfulness. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And as we open it up and uh, and see what you have for us today, open our hearts. Lord, may we hear from heaven and may you help me to handle your word in a in a reverent and appropriate manner. Bless us this day, we ask, dear God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So our verse today is from Psalm 116, verse 17. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. As we celebrate Thanksgiving here in America today, I have a big burden on my heart. Well, it's more like a serious personal challenge. And that challenge is this, thanking God when it seems impossible to thank God. I think it's easy to offer up thanksgiving to God when things are going well for us and the wind is at our back. In those situations, we can thank God pretty naturally. I got a raise at work. Thank you, Lord. Our pantry is well stocked with plenty of food. Praise God. I'm healthy and clothed and warm and even have some fun stuff. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for those temporal blessings. E.H. Spurgeon said this, quote, bless the name of the Lord when he reveals his hand in giving. Ah, you say, that is an easy thing to do. So it ought to be, my brethren and sisters in Christ, as it is a neglect of our duty when we do not do it. We come down to our breakfast in the morning, rejoicing in health and strength, and we go out to our day's engagements, but I hope not without thankfulness that we are in health and that we have food to eat and raiment to put on. We are out all day and things prosper with us, but I trust that we do not accept all this as a matter of course, but that we praise the Lord for it all the day long. And then when we go home again at night and God is still with us, I hope we do not fall asleep before we again praise him. I think that's a wonderful quote. Um, However, when things are going well, I think there's a very real temptation to fall into the trap of thinking either actively or subconsciously that we are somehow special or clever or skilled and that we cause these good things to happen or we simply take our pleasant and happy lot for granted. Um, However, this is a vicious cycle. An unthankful heart produces pride and pride in ourselves just causes us to be unthankful to God, which only produces more pride and that wheel just keeps on spinning. If you turn with me to Luke chapter 17, Um, starting in verse 11. Luke 17, verse 11. And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when they saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests, And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Here we have an example of the propensity for us to be unthankful. 
even in the midst of an outpouring of God's mercy and healing. Nine out of the ten did not return back to give glory to God. And it's not like they were healed from a cold. They were healed from leprosy. And yet only one of the ten came back to give thanks. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Honestly, being thank- unthankful is sinful behavior for a number of reasons. One, it does not ascribe to God the glory and worship due him. It doesn't acknowledge God's sovereignty and his provision. Matthew ten twenty nine to 30 says that are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Point three, being unthankful puts us in the place of God and produces more pride to our perceived self-reliance and achievements. And fourthly, it leads to murmuring and complaining about everything that does not go our way. Romans one twenty one contains a very fearful warning. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. So one of the first hallmarks of the unregenerate in the list Paul gives us is being unthankful. It comes in the first verse in the long list of ungodly behavior in this portion. This illustrates that gratefulness is very, very important to God, and it's an attitude we must cultivate. Your six-year-old child is diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor and will not survive to her seventh birthday. Your husband of 50 years goes to his deathbed, still shaking his fist at God as he takes his last breath and slips into eternity. Your 20-something daughter that you poured your life into leaves home, joins the LGBTQ movement, and spews hatred and vitriol against you, your family, and everything godly she once professed. The business you spent 30 years building collapses financially in a matter of months, and you are left with absolutely nothing. Your wife is in a head-on collision on her way home from the grocery store, and you will never see her again on this earth. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything, give thanks. But these are hard things. These examples are hard things to just endure. It takes 110% of everything you have in you just to survive from one day to the next. The burden feels crushing. How can we possibly, how can we conceivably give thanks for them? How can you give thanks when it seems impossible to give thanks? You and I can't do it. Only God in us can do it. We're so averse to this kind of thankfulness. Because it's not in our nature to behave and think this way. It's not comfortable. It's not natural. And yet when done, it brings incredible glory to God. Because it is God himself manifesting a thankfulness that runs counterculture to the world's notions. The world sees it and it speaks volumes. Let's look again at our verse in Psalm 116, verse 17. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. 
Here I want to emphasize the word sacrifice. The word sacrifice is found 218 times in the scriptures, 194 times in the Old Testament, and 24 times in the New. Sacrifice in the Levitical system meant giving up money, time, effort, and something of value to express worship to God in a very tangible way. It's hard work to raise animals without spot or blemish. It's hard work to give up the first fruits of your labor. It's hard work to meticulously follow the specific rules to ensure proper adherence to the method of sacrifice. But ultimately, sacrifice is the way of denying oneself through obedience and reverence to God. So when we think of giving thanks to God for the bad, sad, and broken things of our lives, the only way to do that is through the power of God working in us through sacrifice. This can be accomplished in a myriad number of ways, but here are a few examples. Sacrifice and prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you how to offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. I think Spurgeon says it so well in this paragraph in one of his sermons. Quote, It is not to thankfulness, however, that I'm going to ask attention this morning, so much as to the other sacrifice, namely prayer in the day of trouble. Let me say at the outset that I am struck with wonder that God should regard it as being one of the most acceptable forms of worship, that we should call upon him in the day of trouble. Such prayers seem to be all for ourselves and to be forced from us by our necessities, and yet such is his condescending love that he puts them down as being choice sacrifices and places them side by side with the thankful paying of our vows. He tells us, that our call for his help in the hour of distress will be more acceptable to him than the oblations, which his own law ordained, more pleasing than all the bullocks and rams which liberal princes could present at his altars. Be not backward then, beloved, to cry to him in your hour of need. End quote. Secondly, I think we need to sacrifice our own perceptions of God. If we're not grounded in what God's word tells us about himself, we will just naturally gravitate to morphing him into a God of our own desire. We must sacrifice any notions we have about God's nature that is not in alignment with his scriptures. We also need to sacrifice the things we desire. This one is pretty hard. We have wants, we have desires, we have things that we hold dear and have trouble letting go of. But we must remind ourselves that God only gives us what we desire when it is aligned with his perfect will. Thinking about this, I thought the difficulty of sacrificing the things we desire is directly proportional to the width of the divide between our desires and God's will. We need to also sacrifice our murmurings. How often are we just like the Israelites when they murmured against God in the wilderness? I found this quote online, and it strikes to the heart of us sacrificing our murmurings. Quote, if discontentment is our response to the will of God, then we have no room in our hearts for true thanksgiving. We have to realize we have no right to complain about things that God himself ordained for our ultimate benefit and for his glory. Instead, give thanks that he cares enough to strengthen us in our spiritual walk, end quote. I'm sure you can think of dozens more areas where we can be sacrificially thankful to God. 
especially when it seems the world is caving in on our heads. I have found this list making to be a pretty good exercise in reminding myself that God is on his throne and his will is perfect no matter what may come. Finally, I want to point out that being scripturally thankful to God and being sacrificially thankful does not mean we must abandon or submerge our heartaches or sadness. Clearly, we're not robots. We can't simply turn off our pain. The word gives us some examples from the very life of our Savior himself that support this. John 11.35, the shortest verse in all the Bible, Jesus wept. He knew sadness and heartache, and he expressed it. Luke 22.44 tells us, And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Christ knew what lay ahead and the work that he must accomplish. He was going to go through the most agonizing experience that anybody had ever or will ever face. However, we see no indication that he acted in any sort of Pollyanna manner. But he did not sin, and he did he was not unthankful. Luke twenty two forty two says, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Christ was thankful to be doing the Father's will. Hebrews 4.15, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Jesus literally felt what we feel. He experienced all the emotions we do, but not once did he ever commit sin. Can we say in our hearts like Job, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither? The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. As we think on the Lord this special day, may we all purpose in our hearts that we will from this point forward be as the psalmist and will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. Amen.